1: Welcome back to Pagan Switchy Corner. My name is Pagan, and I am joined by a really awesome guest who I have been looking forward to chatting with for probably like close to a year now, which I'm super excited about, and that is Jake Richards. Jake is the author of Backwoods Witchcraft, Doctoring the Devil, and another little book that I believe you actually just did the commentary on, which is The Osman and Steeles. I'm going to bet you the rest of this. i got to grab the title. One second, everybody. Uh, Appalachian Folk Killing, a collection of old-time remedies, charms, and spells with a commentary by Jake Richards. So, Jake, welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here. And how are you?
0: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, it is a pleasure to have you here. Now, you are probably, pro- what I would say, one of the foremost... Voices of Appalachian folk magic. And that is a term that we hear all over the internet. But I think a lot of times when it comes to hearing that term, there's a lot of practitioners out there who don't actually know what it means. Can you kind of define that for everybody?
0: Uh, Well, historically, it wasn't really called anything. Um, It was just, um, it was essentially what was done by the people who, you know, they were pushed so far to the limits by life that they turned to the supernatural. Mm -hmm. Um, So whether that was for folk healing, um, you know, avoiding the law, anything like that. um, They basically turned to the land and to, you know, their ancestors for spiritual aid.
1: Okay. That is definitely something that we also see through a lot of other witchcraft as well, which is, really interesting and i like the one thing when i i remember when i first read backwoods witchcraft and this was many moons ago everybody so correct me if i'm wrong but it like i said it's been a minute since i read the book but the cool thing about it was how different it was from traditional witchcraft books and interestingly enough reading the book it was like reading through my childhood even though i grew up out west and a lot of those old family folk traditions kind of seemed to cross over. And it was very interesting reading it because I, I remember kind of going back and going, my mom used to do that. We have those same things hanging over our doors. We She did all of those things. My dad did this. Were my parents just witches and nobody told me? <laughs> but it was a really fun experience to read about it. And it was also a fun experience to see how the workings of christianity made their way into spirituality as well so in that regard what would you say are the main differences between the folk practices of this versus traditional witchcraft what are some of your things that you would kind of classify the differences as uh
0: first and foremost i would classify it as like a like it's a it's a magic of the people, um so it was a practice that was handed down from you know either mother to son, father to daughter, grandparent to you know grandchild uh usually within the immediate family or sometimes you know uh to a few handful of other folks um depending on the charm in question, some charms were you know you could only pass them on to three people otherwise you you would also lose the power yourself um but i think that the most important thing is that it it wasn't like a like a very secret practice it wasn't even really regarded as a practice it was just a, a you know a way of life a way of doing mm-hmm. things um and it was very much melded into the religion of the people which happened to be you know mainstream christianity um you know as it came over to appalachia um because, you know, that was the that was the highest spiritual authority for them, you know, right. aside from their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, who, who better to turn to except for, you know, the creator of all things or the ancestors who, you know, have gone down the same path that you've gone down, who hold the wisdom that, you know, was passed on to you.
1: And I think that that's something that we often sometimes forget about is kind of keeping in touch with our roots, especially in the modern world, is the world is changing more over to technology. A lot of those old kind of ways of life are kind of getting lost through the generations, unfortunately, which is really kind of sad. And it's made me appreciate a lot more of how I was raised and how I'm raising my kids because my kids are also, despite being very modern children, we also try to teach them some of the old ways as well. And your books have this wonderful sense of nostalgia and comfort in them that is not readily found very easily. And I absolutely love that. So very well done on that.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I think today, you know, with a lot of people uh, spending so much time on like social media and technology Mm -hmm. and stuff, it keeps us more so in our mind as opposed to, you know, practices like this and, you know, being like out in nature connected to the land which can which keeps us connected to you know our bodies and also our soul
1: Mm -hmm. i would say that is very true and you know the other really interesting thing was the the things that you touched on especially in doctoring with uh doctoring the devil uh was the bible verse that was often quoted in there which was psalm 23 was the bible verse that we had everywhere growing up and it was the one that my grandmother quoted the most. And it was the one that I even now um, no longer being a Christian and being definitely more in the pagan side of things. Uh, it's the one that I still remember. So the more you quoted it in the book, the more I'm just like, I remember this. I remember when she used to quote this while she was baking bread and doing all these other things. And I was like, this is a very interesting thing. And it was so cool because like I said, my family is from New Mexico, northern New Mexico. And these are roots that I don't even know if they have familial ties to out east, but it was one of those things that was so interesting to see how well it crossed all the way over into the west. Um, But yeah, it was a really cool experience. And I loved how it was something so simple as just one particular passage within the Bible, even though there were multiple that were quoted within the book, um, had such power in it that was able to be used throughout different practices so that was really cool
0: yeah definitely um that verse is probably my favorite because it covers you know basically everything Mm -hmm. um you know it it talks about um being led to you know on a peaceful path um everything being provided for you you know your cup runneth over um you know protection from your enemies everything that's uh, you know basically it's a it's a blanket prayer that covers everything that's needed uh you know within you know life itself
1: yes i absolutely agree with that now when it comes to the type of folk magic that you've written about in your books um there's a lot of different types of folk magic that a lot of people say are closed practices would you say that anybody could practice this type of magic that you've written about
0: um in regards to like the herbs and curios that are used um you know, uh, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that is native to Appalachia, um, b- because it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Because there's so much lived experience, and those lived experiences have been passed down, you know, within the families here. Um, Using those same herbs over and over for generations and generations, there is a kind of um, distinct relationship built between the families here and the land itself. Um, so I would, I personally consider it a, a semi-closed practice. Mm-hmm. Um, like if if your family you know originates from Appalachia, then you know you're you're an heir to it. Um, but because of you know migrations going out west, uh, whenever America you know was being founded and everything like that, um, those same practices were they essentially migrated out west to places like missouri arkansas etc um and the foundations of them were carried on but then new relationships were developed with the new you know places that they went to the new herbs and curios that they came across as well as you know other people's practices that they encountered um so specifically, uh, if you're going to call it, you know, Appalachian folk magic, then it needs to be, you know, in relation to, you know, a, ca- a connection to that specific land, to mm-hmm. the Flora and, uh, you know, fauna that's, you know, native there.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely.
0: Whereas at the same time, I see it as um, sort of being like the mother folk magic from the old frontier, um, you know, for, you know, uh, you know, other practices that got influenced by it mm-hmm. through that uh, you know, migration out west. Does that make sense?
1: That makes perfect sense. Absolutely. So like lays sense. the
0: foundation for building a new relationship in a new land away from the mountains.
1: And you know, that's something that we I, I think that we don't really talk about in terms of folk magic. Folk magic is supposed to be a regional magic and mm-hmm. it's specific to wherever you are. So And it usually would have to do with your ancestors and where they came from and all of that. But yeah, folk magics are something that are literally just that. They are a regional kind of magic. So that's something that I think is really cool.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, they always run under um, kind of like universal folk magic laws, like like the law of sympathy. Um, You know, the creation of dolls, the act of doing folk healing by, um, oh, what's the word for it, Um, by using opposites. So, like, for a burn, you would, you know, use things that are associated with cold and coolness, um, you know, to kill off the fire, to blow out the fire. Right. Um, And then, you know, the, uh, like, the physical attributes of different plants, like plants that have um spines or thorns are generally like protective um whereas uh you know some plants were used for you know heart conditions simply based on the fact that their leaves were heart shaped mm-hmm.
1: i think that that's a, and you know you also kind of talked a little bit about like the different plants and foods and stuff like that and how they could be used for multiple different things and you know one of the things that ought to firstly comes to mind is like kidney beans being used to help filter out the kidneys because of their shape yeah it's
0: like you know it's just folk, folk magic is a language we just all speak different dialects of it
1: exactly exactly so one of the things i absolutely love about all your books is the stories you tell in within the pages whether they be historical tales folk tales whatever you would like to call them they're so enchanting and a little on the scary side and sometimes because there there were moments when I, I recounted a couple of the tales of um the different folk practitioners through the histories of doctoring the devil back to my husband and I was telling him I was like S- you know if these stories are like legit they're a little creepy <laughs> and he was just like really and I would tell him a couple of them um Like, uh, the priest that, the traveling priest that, you know, knocked his shoes together and basically cursed Mm -hmm. the town. And so that one was, I was just like, wow, that, that's really kind of cool, but also a little unnerving. And I really enjoy those stories. And out of all the stories that you've told in your books, what would you say are some of your favorites that you have kind of told everybody?
0: Um, Wow. Uh, probably. <laughs> I know it's a hard question. <laughs> um, probably that one—the Bob Sheffield story, uh, where he, you know, clogged his shoes together to, you know, knock the dust off them cursing the town. Um, I actually had a reader who reached out to me, who's from, um, that uh, you know that town in Virginia, <laughs> and they were giving me an update saying, you know, we're doing fine. We got a Dollar General now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess that's the modern like, yeah, way of they'll, saying they'll that you've you've outgrown a curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's just something super cool about all the different stories that you tell. And I also remember in Backwoods Witchcraft how you talked about some of the different um types of creatures and spirits that lingered in the woods that you, you know, grew up hearing about and Uh, I believe that you also briefly mentioned it in Doctoring the Devil with the, uh, the, oh gosh, what was was it? A skeleton with a spinning head or a man with a spinning head. I can't quite remember the full details of it, but you briefly mentioned it. And I was like, I don't know what that's about, but I kind of want to hear the story about it. And I remember just kind of, you know, hearing it because I have all your books on Audible. And so hearing them, I was just like, He's not going to tell me that story. I need to know this story. <laughs> and So uh, it was one of those things that I made a note of that I have to go and research what that's about. But I there's so many cool things. And of course, when it ta- we hear about Appalachia, we always hear about the crazy stories of don't go in the woods. Don't, you know, hear anybody call your name or any of that. But it, it's such an interesting area that has so many stories attributed to it and so much history, so much history. So, I I love the the one that I mentioned was your favorite one because that one was super, really a great story. And also, there's so many great stories, everybody. This is going to be one of those moments where I'm going to shamelessly plug all the books. If you want to hear all the stories or read all the stories, please go buy Jake's books. They're phenomenal. They have so much great information about all the different aspects of the practice, but also so much history in them. So, if you're a history buff, these books are also going to be right up your alley, especially... The uh, Appalachian Folk Healing Book, that one is all history. Please don't actually go try to practice them because most of the things in that book are actually illegal now. Please don't do that. But the rest of the book is absolutely fantastic history. So there's your shameless plug, everybody. Go buy Jake's books. They're fantastic. (laughs) Please do it. Transitioning into the Appalachian Folk Healing Book, what made you want to... Do kind of a reprint of the book with your commentary in it
0: um simply because uh in, like before we re- republished it um there were only as far as i can remember i believe there were only five copies left in like known existence
1: oh wow um
0: i know somebody uh has one that they bought on ebay because i lost a bid to them for it <laughs> um so that's one and then i believe two other copies were in libraries across the country and then others were in um, museums Mm -hmm. um so once i was able to you know acquire a copy and i was able to fully uh you know read the contents of it and understand the full uh you know extent as to which the original authors uh you know, put these prayers and old time remedies in, uh, into context. Um, a lot of them were outdated, like, just as you mentioned, a lot Mm -hmm. of them, uh, like near the end, there's a bunch of like different recipes for like, uh, I don't know, like cleaning carpets and polish, like making your own shoe polish and stuff. Um, but there are also a lot of, uh, remedies that call for like taking like tablespoons of turpentine and, you know, different things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And essentially because it was uh, published, you know, during the uh, medical DIY era of Appalachia, where, you know, a lot of people still couldn't, uh, you know, make it to a doctor in time for different things. And if they could, you know, it was just like a couple of days travel. uh, There was no guarantee that the doctor would actually be there. He could be making a house call like 40 miles away somewhere. Um, So a lot of people began publishing uh essentially at home medical manuals mm-hmm. um usually under under the title of something like uh something to do with like uh you know Indian healing because it was also during that time when America was going under a uh what's the word for it like a native american nostalgia after the uh indian removal act right um so there was like this um exoticism that cropped up around uh remedies and, uh, you know, essentially gave them more power in the mind of the reader if the author claimed that they, you know, got them from like a Indian shaman or, you know, something like that, you know, purely, you know, to help sell the book. Of course. Um, but these, these books would, you know, basically uh, instruct the reader how to perform small at-home surgeries, um, you know, how to make different compounds of things for, you know, whatever it is that was ailing them. So it was nothing for, you know, somebody to read a couple of those books and then you know pro- proclaim themselves as as a doctor, um, and then just you know get on horseback and start you know going around treating people, um. So that this this manual is not only an example of that, but also an example of the, um, like the crosshair nature of you know, healing itself during that time when, you know, Western medicine was, you know, getting its advances, yet still a lot of people in the mountains didn't trust, you know, the doctors and their, you know, pill medicine and stuff. Right. So they stuck to their, you know, their herbs and their, their prayers. Um, so you can also see, like, uh, there's one remedy in uh, Osmond and Steel uh, that I believe is for um, helping somebody like you know retain their water like if they're having issues you know peeing on themselves Mm
1: -hmm.
0: then they were to take and powder a hog block a hog bladder and you know take it internally and so that's a meeting point between you know western medicine and uh you know the folk understanding of sympathy because the hog bladder is big and it's you know it's tough it's strong so it would likewise impose that you know bladder strength to the person who ingested it
1: i think that that's a really interesting kind of thing too and i remember when i read through the book i first of all was astonished at some of the remedies in the book that you know they classified as medicine because you know now we look back on that and you're like first of all that's poison you can't take that secondly that drug is illegal thirdly you can't have that one because that will kill you but it was one of those things that looking back at it, it was that was a way of life. That was all they knew. Um, like, ex- I think there was a couple of examples of using cocaine and a couple of those things. You know, we think of cocaine now yeah. that's, you know, a hard class drug that we don't even think about trying to use for modern medicine. But to them, that was modern medicine. Cocaine healed a lot of wounds back then. Same with laudanum. Laudanum came from the morphine family. And so, you know, thinking about those things that those were modern, what they would classify as modern medicines. And so looking back at it, it was very interesting. And I remember after I read it, I called my dad and I was reading him some of those recipes because my dad's kind of a history buff. And, you know, he would talk about some of the things that, you know, his grandparents used. And, Um, on the cattle ranch and all the different folk remedies and stuff like that, which, you know, hearing some of those in modern day, you're like, why would you do that? That's, that's not safe for animals or humans, but it was their way of life back then. And this book is such a great history book to show just in a few hundred years, how far our country has gone from the folk practices into the modern day era that we are. And, you know, it's kind of exciting to think about where we're going to be in a couple of hundred years and what our modern medical practices then will look like in comparison to now. So it's a really great history book to show that. And I'm really glad that you were able to get a copy to reprint it to show the difference between what a couple of hundred years could make between then and now. So it's really exciting.
0: Definitely. Um, And it's also uh, historically significant because it is also one of the only um, like powwow or brahurai manuals that were, uh, you know, published or written by authors that were like a a mother and son duo. Mm -hmm. Um, But also because the majority of the prayers in the first portion um, were either directly lifted from or very much influenced by uh, prayers and, uh, you know, remedies of the same nature directly from either uh, Holman's Long Lost friend or uh, Albertus Magnus's Egyptian Secrets. Um, so it also shows like the pr- the progression of those, uh, you know, prayers and beliefs, um, you know, over time.
1: Yeah, and that's super. And super how cool. like they're
0: transformed and how they, you know, get molded to fit you know particular different situations and everything.
1: It's also interesting kind of to look at also in a magical kind of historical aspect of how even you know the prayers and all of that those were a form of old world magic and now seeing how the magical practices have changed over time to also keep up with modern era. So it's interesting to see how everything has transitioned from then to now. And even throughout your other books as well you talk about the different historical and ancestral aspects of, you know, what your ancestors or other people's ancestors did for things like planting crops and, you know, protecting the home and keeping wellness within the home. And those are things that I think can also be translated into modern times in their own way and just adapt it in whatever way sees fit. Obviously within legal purposes, especially if you're looking yeah. at the Osman and Steele's book, just clarifying that for the audience. But <laughs> the rest of it, I think is something that we can all look at and see what applies to magical practices, which is really awesome.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: When it comes to your Do you have any other um, projects that you have in the works? Do you have any new books that you're planning or uh, classes that you might be teaching that you'd like to talk about and promote and all that good stuff?
0: Uh, Yeah, I actually have a few in the works um, and I'm also working on um, kind of like revamping my blog and getting it up and running again.
1: Very nice. Uh, is there any chance that you could share any of that? If not, that's totally cool because I know some of it might be super secret and that's totally fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you can share some of that, we'd love to hear it. That way we can keep an eye out for it in the future.
0: Yeah. Um, well, the the future work I'm working on, on now, um, I'm trying to keep it like uh, kind of secret.
1: Super secret. Uh, Got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay
0: <laughs> but it it will still tie into the first and second one um wiser doesn't like the the terms uh sequel like they're not supposed to tie together but i mean i'm writing them just like a sequel that's fair um, just like with backwoods i you know originally wrote it and formatted it with all of the you know the different stories and tales um because that's how i was originally taught because sap like in folk magic you know, you don't sit down and take notes for like a, like a couple of hours in a conversation. It's over a lifetime. Right. Um, and that's, that's why I also stress in uh, Backwoods that you need to learn to listen.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: mean, listen, listen. Because, you know, when you're talking to elders and they start, you know, uh, you know just sharing stories and details and stuff, um, most of the time, the most of the details you'll get is in the first time you hear about it or like right. the first time they tell you. Um, and then other details come along later on when they tell that same story or, you know, tell you about the same thing again. Um, so it's like a, it, it's, it's a, it's a learning course over, you know, years and years, um, you know, just in daily life itself. Um, so that's why I formatted Backwoods the way that I did, uh, because it was through the stories and the old wives tales that, you know, you learn about those things. Yes. Um And then with doctoring of the Devil, I wanted to take another, like, a deeper historical look at, you know, people who actually practice this work and how, uh, you know, their different viewpoints and practices overlapped each other. Mm -hmm. Like, there would be uh, reverends or preachers who did faith healing but didn't do, like, herbal medicine, and then there were others who did do herbal medicine but didn't believe that, you know, different herbs and curios had any kind of, like, magical ability aside from healing. Yes. and then you would have, you know, uh, reverends and preachers who, d- you know, didn't have, you know, didn't put any stock into like a witchcraft or conjure or anything like that. Uh, and then you had others who were faith healing preachers who also, you know, doctored witchcraft or found out witches through different methods to, you know, reverse or break spells. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it'll fall it'll along those same lines.
1: Oh, I am so excited for it. Like I said, I've been a longtime fan of your work, so I'm excited to see what comes out in the future. Are you teaching I any appreciate. classes that anybody would like to put, potentially take from you if you have any to offer?
0: Um, no, not at the moment.
1: Okay. That's totally I'm fair. I'm in the
0: works of trying to get that part figured out as well.
1: <laughs> That's okay. Um, so everybody out there, go buy Jake's books. You're going to love them. They're fantastic, especially if you are a historical buff that you wants to learn more about folk magic, especially from the Appalachian side of the world, please go check them out. They're fantastic works. I have devoured Backwoods Witchcraft a couple of times now, actually, and Doctoring the Devil I've also read twice, and I've only read Osman and Steele's once, but that's okay because it's pretty much a one-and-done kind of book because it's a historical book, but it is also such a great book and so much to offer. And you might find yourself kind of in my shoes, where I was realizing that a lot of those practices had migrated all the way to where I was from. So definitely check it out; they're fantastic books. Uh, is there? Are you on social media where anybody could follow you or um, connect with you? I am. You?
0: Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can close the Zoom out without it ending something
1: that's okay is what you can do is you can um, email me those links and i will put them in the show description so everybody can go find I you believe, that way.
0: i believe my instagram is jake underscore richards 13 or it might be 131 it's one of the two
1: i want to say it's 131 I've tagged you I in, yeah, in a review 1, 3, 1. and I think it's 131 1. Uh, but don't worry yeah. everybody like I said I will hunt down those links for you guys and put them in the show description so you can go connect with Jake on social media and Jake this has been awesome I am so thankful that we got to sit down and chat and I hope that when your new book comes out you'll come back and talk all about it
0: yeah definitely thank you for having me
1: absolutely alright everybody well you know what to do take care of yourselves. stay safe and we'll see you all next time bye everyone